Hey guys, well, welcome to our final episode in the summer series on the Enneagram. We're going to be talking about Enneagram 9. We've got Mickey Scott Bay Jones back with us. She's an Enneagram expert to help us do a deeper dive. I'm also going to revisit an interview I did with my friend Sarah Bessie a few years ago. She's a nine. If you're not familiar, she's the author of Jesus Feminist and several other books. She has an amazing newsletter that you should check out. I'm excited for this episode. Hope you enjoy. All right, Mickey, this is our last. Our last time to talk through. Our sweet type nines who have waited patiently. Yes, our sweet type nines. (laughs) But I guess if you're going to, you know, if you're going to make somebody wait till the last nine, it's the ones. (laughs) The nines. Bless their hearts. (sighs) Um, One time I was doing a workshop and going through the types and I forgot. I skipped over fours and I was like, oh, shit. Of all the the people to skip over. They're really going to, they're going to feel that. You're going to be like, see? <laughs> oh, so, but nines oh. are like, usually like, fine. Thanks yeah. for eventually getting to me. Totally. Yeah. So this, this type is often referred to as the mediator, the mm-hmm. moderator, or even the peacemaker. Yeah. Um, and they really can see all sides. Um, I've seen type nines like argue with themselves, not argue, but like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And oh, but then I thought this, like. Yeah. I can literally have all sides in their own they really brain. Can. Yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating. And, you know, they really are motivated to keep the peace. Yeah. Um, through, through harmony um, and avoiding conflict. So, yeah. um, you know, they believe they can gain belonging and comfort by substituting their own worth for a blending or merging with others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's their own self that doesn't feel worthy enough to kind of stand out. And, mm-hmm. um, so they, they, they really can, can do this dispersion of their energy mm-hmm. into like the people and things around them, which creates kind of an inertia. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're just kind of like, like floating, you know, maintaining, yeah. um, and, and keeping things at the same pace. So, uh, you know, again, um, eight, nine, and one are the body types and, and, um, they all to an extent can do this self-forgetting, but for nines, that's really where they park it in this self-forgettingness of not really being in touch with their own priorities. Yeah. Um, or even their own limits. Right. So which, which is why they can disperse out to other people because they don't really have a sense of their own boundaries if they, if they're unexamined. Yeah. Um, because, and so they want things to be smooth and harmonious, mm-hmm. um, not just for themselves, but for others. For everyone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's interesting. I have a few friends who are Enneagram nine and they really have this like superpower of assimilating different viewpoints and finding the common ground. Yeah. You know, where for me, I, I can tend to get, get stuck on differences and challenging and they really mm-hmm. have a way of it's a really lovely way of just like pulling together different viewpoints and seeing all sides of things. Yeah. 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 And you know, what has happened is that they, their essence, they've lost touch with that essence that they matter as well. Right. Mm -hmm. That what they think or feel is just as important as what everybody else Mm -hmm. does. Mm -hmm. And, and that they've come to believe that personality that has, has kind of, you know, structure that's built up around them is that they need to, um, kind of put everybody else's feelings before them. They need to blend in 
yeah. um, not cause any trouble, right? Because that is what will keep them loved. Yeah. Um, if they can just, you know, blend in and, and kind of the stereotypical way or like the funny thing people will talk about about nines is like asking nines where they want to go to dinner <laughs> is like <laughs> a lost cause. Got like, it. do like ask them the day before mm-hmm. because they need time to think about it. Now, most of the time they'll just go along with what you want, but nines can have this passive aggressive behavior mm-hmm. because it's not that they don't have desires or needs or want to go a, a particular place. Yeah. It's just that it takes them a little longer to get to it. It can be buried under kind of what's what the group wants. Mm-hmm. And so, or what the other person wants or wanting to want what the other person wants. Mm-hmm. And so then when they get in touch with it, then there's a resentment. Mm-hmm. There's a like, well, that's not what I really want. So they'll go to dinner. They'll go to the mm-hmm. place you selected, but then they're just kind of like, I don't like anything on this menu. I'm just going to eat the breadsticks. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, do you want to go somewhere else? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so that kind of like passive aggressiveness or what, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to kind of what they don't want to do, maybe uh, in a household or something, mm-hmm. you know, what I absolutely hate is when people label nines lazy, cause it's not right. about being lazy. Right. It's just like, I have an inertia. It's like, I just, I don't, yeah, I, let's not rock anything. Let's yeah. not, you know? And so, and it's this self-forgetting it's this like, yeah, it's, 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 it's not that they don't have any movement and they can be quite energetic. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's this, um, passive aggressive, mm-hmm. uh, like, I don't even know uh, another way to explain it. It's not coming to me right now, but like, uh, they need to know what they think matters and yes. that their involvement matters and the way they would yeah. do it matters. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's almost like this ultimate feedback loop of like, they don't participate. So then people move on without them. So then of course I didn't even matter to begin with. So Mm -hmm. see, I'm just going to not participate because y'all don't care anyway. You didn't ask me. And it becomes this feedback loop that allows them to just kind of stay powered down. Yes. And never actually put themselves fully into the situation or into the relationship. So, you know, they have to kind of lean into their participation and then and themselves mattering yeah um in the relationship and in the situation so loving our nines well letting them know their you know their needs are important helping them get in touch with that what else yeah i mean (laughs) the other thing is is their relationship with anger Mm. so um we didn't, you know, I still have a lot of kind of work to do around understanding how all the types relate to anger. I, mm-hmm. I have a good sense of like with the body types, how they relate to anger one, because yeah. I'm a body type mm-hmm. and uh, I suppress anger as a one eights, you know, can sometimes be energized by it because mm-hmm. they're like, give it to me. It feels yeah. very alive, you know, and, and nines, um, can essentially be asleep to their anger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you know, again, I've, I've said for some of these types, like there's this telltale thing and often with nines, it's like, tell me about the last time you were angry. 
and they're like, oh, well, in 1992. Yeah. Um, and you're like, oh. yeah, <laughs> because it's like, they work really hard to not be aware of their anger. Right. And so, right. and, and then for it to come out and mm-hmm. other people to be able to recognize it as anger, it's like you are once or twice a year. Yeah. You know? And so, but it's there. Mm-hmm. Of course, they, because we they're... all experience emotions. Of right. course. Yeah. And no so one is immune like, to anger. Right. And so like, but it feels really big. It feels yeah. like if we're talking about this, not rocking the boat, right. Anger is a tidal wave. Yeah. And we're going to do everything we can to keep that tidal wave yeah. from coming. Yeah. So like, so we've got to kind of help them feel safe in expressing anger. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and that you can have moments of disharmony mm-hmm. in an otherwise harmonious life yes. or relationship or household. And it will be okay. It will be okay. Yeah. Your anger isn't too big. Your mm-hmm. disruption of the harmony in yeah. the home isn't too big. Yeah. That, you know, your full range of emotions isn't too big. It matters. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the truth of it, though, is for some people, their anger might be too big. There might be mm-hmm. things, trauma things, right? Yeah. That, right. Uh, you know, ways oh, too that overwhelming. They, yeah. That's right. Where they have, um, you know, their window of tolerance is shrunk mm-hmm. and, and something like anger does throw them into, mm-hmm. you know, outside of that window of, yeah. of tolerance. And so, you know, also if that's a thing, understanding that the anger isn't your core self, that's not, that's not like anger being big. Isn't yeah. somehow that you are fundamentally broken is what I'm yeah. saying. So, so good. we can yeah. learn to handle your anger. You yes. can learn to handle your anger. Yeah. Um, and really like, uh, welcoming that because, mm-hmm. you know, they're mm-hmm. just, it's just real scary. Totally. And, totally. and they're not the only types to deal with that, but it's just, yeah. it's, it's like, how do we help them? Um, or how can a nine just decide to do that work around their anger? So it doesn't have to be something mm-hmm. that is only contained in a lid with a box with a padlock yeah. that I only yeah. let out when, yeah, once a year yeah. when the disharmony is yeah. so strong that I feel like I absolutely have yeah. to say something. There can be smaller waves yeah. of disharmony yes. and and we can eventually get back to harmony and that'll be okay. Now, what about self-care in the Enneagram 9? Because I'm going to admit a an assumption that I'm not sure is true, but my assumption yeah. is that they know, they're the ones that have self-care nailed. Oh, Okay. Interesting. Because they find comfort. And so, you know, my Enneagram friends are the ones that are like, I'll binge Netflix all day. I'll read a book. You know, I'll sit in the sun and I'm like here on my to-do list. Like, what's that life? You know, so. Yeah. I mean, you know, we do assume because some of those characteristics of nines are that they're so caring and attentive and empathetic, Mm -hmm. right? Um so kind of receptive mm-hmm. um, and that is usually the way they're usually doing that is comforting other people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they will snuggle in and watch a movie marathon with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be kind of a, uh, like a narking out, right? Mm-hmm. It can be kind yes. of, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, avoidance, uh, right? Like, yeah. 
too much Netflix under a blanket on your couch yes. is you having, you know, being buried in Chinese food cartons and right. You know, no one's talked to you in three days. Right. <laughs> like, you know, it's yeah. not, you know, yeah. too much of a good thing. It, it can so, shift over to kind of a self-loathing place as right. opposed to self-care. Yes. And yeah. so like self-care for nine is like, really, are you, are you doing whatever you're doing? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it's what you want to do mm-hmm. or because it's getting you like out of these feelings of, of, of discomfort. Yeah. Right. Are you saying yes when you really mean no, because you want yeah. to avoid any kind of conflict. Right. Yeah. So like, so self-care for a nine is, is starts with really getting in touch with what's true for them with their mm-hmm. true yes and their true no. Yeah. Um, and like when is self soothing or like, is that coming from a, a place of true yeah. alignment with who I am or is it coming from mm-hmm. some sense of like, if I can just blend in yeah. and disappear zone out. Uh-huh. zone out from all this stuff. Cause nines yeah. can like, daydream and zone out. I mean, for Mm -hmm. hours a day. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, you know, they're not like the types that need to learn how to just Mm -hmm. like put on a song and dance for three minutes and have a, you know, allow a little pleasure. Yeah. They're, they're pretty well stocked on the pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They, they have to learn like to examine Mm -hmm. why, why, why they're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And have, have honest conversations yeah. with themselves about yeah. what it means for them. And balance, I guess, too, huh? Sure. Finding balance yeah. of like, okay, I'm going to engage in, in this, you know, pleasurable activity for a certain amount of time. And then I'm going to click back in to what I need yeah. to do. Like also paying bills is self-care. Also yeah, walking right. the dog is That's self-care. Right. Like yeah. if you don't Organizing walk the dog, the you don't uh-huh. Right. Like there are some things yeah. we have to do that are really caring for our lives, mm-hmm. like yeah. creating a, a scaffolding for our lives. Yeah. And so, you know, are we plugged into those things as well? Are we, you know, also showing up yeah. for our lives instead yeah. of like hiding behind other people? Yeah. And it strikes me too, even in talking about this is, you know, I think the Enneagram nines are, they seem to be good at being in the moment, but then that self-care of like future self, right? So mm-hmm. what will future self want to come yeah. home to, wake up yeah. to, um, thinking that through, not just like what yeah. feels good right in this very moment. Right. Because I don't have to, I, then I won't have to dig my heels in and, and mm-hmm. protest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I won't have to kind of try and try and sink the boat later because now I'm mad because I finally realized what was going on with me. Yeah. And so my, my yes gets to be a full yes. Um, you know, and that, that can really save problems in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mickey, this was a fun series to do with you. (laughs) Yeah. Super fun. Thank you I really, so much. I, I really appreciate, you know, the questions about how we love each other well, how we take yeah. care of ourselves as each type, Yeah, you know, because it's really, it's not, yeah, there are great things. Like you can start to crack, kind of crack the nut psychologically if mm-hmm. you just know what your type is. But then when you really work with yes. all the pieces yeah. of this, it's like, 
There can really be a lot of freedom and a lot of alignment with your true self that changes everything. into a conversation with Sarah Bessie. Hey, Sarah, thanks for joining us today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Kristen. Thanks for inviting me. So I know that you are a fan of the Enneagram. How did you get introduced to the Enneagram? <laughs> um, I don't know if the, the term reluctant disciple belongs here or not, <laughs> but... Um, the Enneagram came into my life probably about four or five years ago. I had a girlfriend or I have a girlfriend who uh, was an Enneagram coach. And so she would uh, meet with people, help them find their type, and then sort of help them, you know, sort of develop a, a path forward out of that. So we were at a, uh, a dinner and she decided to um, do a few little, you know, mini sessions with people just kind of for the fun of it. And so when she typed me and, um, and I found out that I was a type nine, I remember having like a visceral reaction of just distaste, <laughs> you know, like, and, and she kind of laughed at me. She was like, you know, you've kind of found your Enneagram type when you really hate it. I, and I've so, right. And so I never even touched it for probably another year and a half after that, because I just had such a visceral reaction to have to my type and to feeling like I really hope I'm every other type but that one and since this is the one that is kind of showing up over and over again I just wasn't almost emotionally and spiritually prepared to deal with my junk and so it wasn't until about a year and a half after kind of that typing session that I returned to it and began to study it. And then it be has become in the last three years, probably one of the greatest tools for spiritual formation really? um, that I have found in my, um, in my uh, spiritual life and in my daily life. Um, it has helped my marriage and my parenting, my understanding of my place in the world, my vocation. I mean, it has been a, a, a huge blessing um, that has, kind of arisen out of my initial real, you know, visceral reaction that I hated everything to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Because I, I wasn't that super fond of my type either, but they say that that is often true because those weaknesses of that type resonate with us. Well, yeah, I think that oftentimes it's the parts about ourselves that we um, subconsciously know and hate. Right. It's those 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 right. parts of, of ourselves that we don't really want to to deal with or we, that we like to pretend aren't there. Um, and the thing I think about Enneagram as well, that it, it really is almost the only, um, you know, I, I don't really like the term uh, personality typing tool uh, when I'm talking about the Enneagram. But for the sake of, you know, conversation, we can use it. But it's almost the only one that actually talks about your healthiness and your unhealthiness. Yeah. And when you come front, confronted with that unhealthiness of your behavior, it can be a really strong recoiling that can almost happen because you're not right. used to seeing yourself in the mirror that clearly. It's so true. It's so true. And I do love, like you said, it's kind of this spectrum of like moving to health looks like this and being unhealthy looks like this. Um, and I'm constantly, I mean, I do, I literally go about the day thinking like, oh, I'm getting a little unhealthy in my three, which for me <laughs> looks like, you know, um, feeling like I have to get things done, being frantic, being, you know, oh, this needs done and that needs done and everything needs to be done, you know. 
Um, but I know you're a nine. What does that unhealthy nine day look like for you when you catch yourself and going, oh, I'm, I'm doing this? You know, there are a number of things that I didn't realize were coping mechanisms that yeah. I had developed or, or things that were unhealthy. Um, and that's, I think, the other thing that, that is really interesting about um, Enneagram is that it does have the specificity so that what is unhealthy for me may be a very healthy thing for you. And, and, and vice versa, right? So for me as a nine, um, you know, we're, at, uh, we're in, a, in a number of, um, of typing kind of books or whatever. We're called the peacemaker. It's the peacemaker one. Right. And so for us, the unhealthiness is just really um, driven by that need to avoid conflict. And so for me, an unhealthiness is like when I am numbing out when I am avoiding really, really hard, when I am retreating into almost anything as a way to block and numb pain and as a way to keep from engaging, I can withdraw really, really hard and and go too far inward and become very almost um, fatalistic, right? Of just kind of, you know, letting things roll and whatever happens being incredibly permissive and... Uh, both with myself and with others, you know, like it's almost um, like one of the things that has really been life changing for me has been the shift from thinking about those moments of needing to look after myself less as self comfort, and more as self care. Because Uh, Enneagram nines go towards self comfort, like it is our job. Like we can do that. without even. It's funny, because it's the it is the literal opposite of my type. Right? No, I don't do any kind of self-comfort. I could go weeks without just sitting down and relaxing because I'm driven by this internal motor. And that's what's so interesting. It's really about what drives us. And for you, you're kind of, would you say, driven by just a desire to avoid? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's there's this sense of needing to avoid conflict. Anything that disturbs our inner peace right. is something that is perceived as threatening or wrong. And so, I mean, there's times when that can be very uh, minor, right, or just like a daily thing. Sure. But then there's times like when you're if you're in a, a major season of, um, of of loneliness or of depression or of conflict, it can become um, really damaging right to to yeah. who you are and so then yeah. for us our path of health is actually towards engagement because I move towards a healthy three when I'm doing well like I look a lot more like you mm. when, when I'm doing well yeah and you're, so get, then, you're engaged you're willing exactly. to do the things that need to be done exactly and so then that for me means that I start to feel more engaged I need to actually believe that I matter in the world actually believe that what I do counts um, that how I look after my body or my mind or my spirit or my world actually has value instead of seeing it as kind of like well who cares and whatever and I might as well go knit and watch Netflix so does a nine struggle with apathy um, you know, I don't know that apathy is really quite the word that, that usually is used. Um, it's more uh, sloth, ah. right? This, this, if you're looking at those, you know, deadly sins or whatever else. I mean, you could talk about, um, I think it has a lot of different names. I mean, some traditions would call it like a sedia, um, that sense of like the noonday demon, that, that sense of, um, of just, um, I don't know what we call it, like, almost like a depressive stillness or... Um, it's got an element of laziness, but it's more like literally nothing matters, 
you know, yeah. and I'm not going to be bothered to try. Um, it, as and a three, so it, it can show up in a amazing. lot of different ways for us, right? It can show up uh-huh. in, um, you know, spiritually it can show up in your work and in your vocation. But I think overall, it does tend to look more towards this sense of like, I'm not even going to get started. And there's this sense of almost boredom to it. Hmm. That's interesting. And so how do you push yourself out of that when you're experiencing that? You know, I think that there's a there's a number of different things that or spiritual practices that I have engaged with over the years that really do help. Um, you know, and, and I think that they would probably would depend on, on maybe someone's season of life or where they are. Um, things like prayer and meditation and stillness have been very big for me. But honestly, for a nine who is really deeply caught in that loop of unhealthy um, numbing out and avoiding of conflict, you have to engage. And, and it can be engaging in really small ways, but that is almost always my path right. towards health has been even something as, sim- as simple as engaging with my body, like going for a walk, right? Yeah. Or, or actually eating the food. <laughs> and, right. you know, going, I, this is the most small ways of engaging can then become larger steps towards greater engagement. Um, and sometimes when you are in a really unhealthy place, maybe you can't even get to there. And I mean, we're obviously talking about people who are, um, you know, not struggling with any, you know, other outside, you know, factors of mental illness or whatever else that would impede that. But if you have agency, your agency is engagement, really. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because at the core, nines want to be engaged, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And see, there's a lot of strengths from uh, being a nine that the world, I think, really needs, especially probably at this moment in time. I mean, when a nine is healthy and engaged, um, they are really just an amazing thing to have there, right? And to have in the room, Um, you know, very... um, not just, and, and I think that maybe even one of the big differences for me um, has been moving from the idea of being a peacekeeper to being a peacemaker. And that to me is the difference right. between a healthy nine and an unhealthy nine. Like an unhealthy nine yeah. it just wants to keep the peace at all costs, whatever it takes mm-hmm. for you, for anybody else, whatever else is going on. But a it's peacemaker. It's more self-centered. Exactly. Whereas a peacemaker, there can be disruption to that. That means oftentimes disrupting the status quo and disrupting what's easy, um, engaging in conflict in a very healthy way. And so for me, really leaning hard into that identity as peacemaker and beginning to really be suspicious of my tendencies towards being a peacekeeper has been a real path, not only for health for me personally, but I feel even vocationally has really shifted how I view the world and my place in it. And that is a really, that's a really good distinction. Do you have any other advice for our nines who might be listening? <laughs> um, well, I should probably ask people who, who work with me more, <laughs> how to handle us is probably the, the, the better thing, right? Um, you know, I think that there's, um, there's a number of things about being a nine that I have grown to see as being um, a real gift. And I think that sometimes, especially for a world that usually really likes, um, you know, eights and threes and the the energy of those types or even fives, right? Like that and sevens, the energies of of those kinds of things. Um, Having someone like a nine who has, you know, maybe sometimes lower energy, a real uh, need towards, um, 
you know, uh, peace, uh, towards peace and towards a lack of conflict. I mean, but our ability to be in a room and to hold the tension is amazing. Our ability to see everybody's side, um, you know, and, and hold all the complexity is, is really, um, a, a beautiful thing. And oftentimes, um, it is something that we can bring towards being able to like actually respect and hold almost a sense of universality, right. Of all the perspectives, right. um, and, and hold space for all of them. So there's a lot of things about being a nine that are, are wonderful and good. Um, and, and then there's things that it just has given me, I guess, an, an idea of what to keep an eye out for so that I continue, can continue on a path of health instead of just kind of sliding back into what, what it comes easy perhaps. And, you know, I can even see where you being a nine path of, for example, you wrote a book called Jesus Feminist. And for many people, those are disparate entities, right? Christianity, feminism don't go together. And, you know, I can absolutely see where your personality type made you be able to go, you know what? I can marry these two things and these can live in coexistence. And I'm going to tell people exactly how. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that um, both of my books are probably uh, almost such, you know, quote unquote, type nine books, because I mean, Jesus yeah. Feminist has this idea of being able to pull these two things that seem like they're at odds for some people and be able to actually bring them together and show how they are harmonious and how they do work together. Um, and, and it has a real uh, undercurrent of you know, non-judgment and of care and concern. And even, um, you know, one of those words that I really love in my work is shalom, right? Which is the the peace of God, that sense of nothing missing and nothing broken, that everything is restored. And that to me was really kind of the vision of what that was. And then even out of sorts, I mean, the subtitle for the book was literally making peace with an evolving faith. Like it's such a nine title. (laughs) Such a nine book. Right? (laughs) (laughs) And I wasn't even into the Enneagram yet. It's funny when you go back and read your work and you're like, oh, wait, I guess it was incredibly obvious to almost everybody. (laughs) Right? I know. Uh, You know, I had a planner in middle and high school, like a leather bound planner. (laughs) It does not surprise me in the least. It's not so sad. Like I was a three. I think it's adorable. (laughs) Okay. Well, I don't know. I I see, but this is what's really great about having a friend like you, Kristen, because when I have you as a friend, I see you when you're healthy and you give me a vision for what it is I'm moving towards. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, absolutely. I think you balance me out to like, look, self-care is an okay thing. Like you can give yourself permission to. You can, you can. I think that um, one of the things I love about being a nine is that we are just like easily pleased. It takes very little. It takes very little (laughs) to make us happy. We take so much joy in like simple things and, you know, good conversation and enjoyment in life and good meals and like connection and even new nail polish. Like we we just, (laughs) we are so easy to make happy. And that's just a good way to go through life, really. Well, is there anything else that you feel like you wish people understood about nines? You know, I think that, um... You know, there's there's some things about nine, I think, that are maybe a bit of a misunderstanding, but I suppose you could say that about almost every type um, of, of thinking that you're almost a caricature of your type, as opposed right. to seeing that oftentimes you are functioning within within that type on a on a daily and even moment by moment basis. 
Um, and for nines, it's not that we don't care. It's not that we're not engaged. And even times, it's not that we don't um, know, aren't learning how to engage well in conflict. Um, and it's more just that the way that we do it is often very different. You know, and I, and I run into right. this a lot of times in the nature of my work because um, I find it really quite hilarious, actually, that I, someone like me, my type who you know, needs to avoid conflict at all levels, seems to somehow have found herself in this line of work talking about religion and politics and feminism and everything. <laughs> You're not so supposed, true. everything people love to fight about, right? And so it I think that having people like me in a space like that can be both good and it can also be difficult. I mean it's not just difficult for me personally, but I think it's even difficult for people who like the zero sum game or want yeah. you to see everybody as the enemy. Or, you know, because that's not how I work. That is literally against everything in me is to see people as the enemy or to not be able to understand where they're coming from or to not be able to. So, I mean, sometimes it can be hard to work with people like us when we're in, you know, justice conversations or or larger conversations around the world and the state of the world and politics and religion, whatever else. But I always think it's good to have someone like me in the room, um, you know, or someone who is a type nine in the room who is good at being able to pull people together. Um, and find find the overlaps, yeah. find the ways forward towards actually constructive peacemaking. Yeah. And you really do do that. I mean, I have watched you do that and you you are able to be diplomatic in a way that is foreign to me. You're able to see all sides of things. You, I feel like, have an ability to extend grace um, more easily than I can to people who are, you know, from a different viewpoint. Um. And, it, you know, it's really funny because when, you know, when we first started talking about the Enneagram and you said you were a nine, I was like, what? <laughs> because you do walk into difficult topics and sometimes conflictual or contentious conversations. Oh, yeah. And the difference is, is that it's exhausting for me. <laughs> Some people enjoy it a lot, right? Like they, yeah. they thrive. Like I think like a type type eight, right? They thrive right. on confrontation yeah. and on, yeah. um, you know, the sense of, of being able to be against is something that, right. that is really big. Whereas I, my type tends to be very with, right? And so even though I can engage in the conflict and I care deeply about them, I mean, you and I share that overdeveloped sense of justice and that, that longing <laughs> yes, for do. everything to be made right. 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 But I think that sometimes what drives that longing is different because mine is really about like the peace of the world, the shalom of, the, yeah. of God, right? Of yeah. wanting to see those things happen and, and having a close eye on the ones who are left out from that conversation. Uh, And I think that that's something that that shows up in in a lot of different ways for for a lot of different people. But learning how to own my authority has been a huge part of my own path for growth, because nines do not have an inherent sense, I think, of authority or of agency or of, of making a difference. And so that has been a big path of spiritual growth for me has been like, oh, no, actually, you get to engage and do something and be a part of it the way that you are. I don't have to be like everybody else, but you still have a path of engagement here and a path of caring and being part of this. Well, and you've, you've totally done it. You know, I mean, the fact that you are, you know, out there, I think, um, bringing these disparate ideas together, but also being a voice that both sides can listen to. I mean, I absolutely think you've done it. You've figured out how to walk in, 
into that authority and that, you know, I mean, it's, it's certainly not laziness, <laughs> you know, you, you haven't seen me in some of my downtimes, <laughs> but well. you have actually, you have, your listeners <laughs> haven't seen me at <laughs> times when I veg out for 12 weeks straight watching call the midwife. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I know you, uh, you and I will have a long talk about these things and I will help you find your way to numb out. <laughs> I know, right? It'll be so healthy for you. I'm sure. I know. <laughs> It would be. Well, Sarah, (laughs) thank you so much. This was super helpful. And I just really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and experience on being a nine. Yeah, you know what? It is a really uh, useful tool. Um, I found, found I have felt personally like it's a real gift from God. And it's even, I think one of the gifts that the Enneagram gave me is realizing that there's not one way to be whole. Yeah. Right? Because I look at you and I think you're not supposed to be like me, Kristen. Right. Like you're supposed to be your full and healthy self, but then I'm not supposed to look like you or like, you know, Tara or anybody else. We all have a fullness of expression that we can bring to the world. And it, it's not identikit womanhood or identikit, right. you know, whatever. Right. There's yeah. there's a fullness that, that in your difference is good. It's not about, you know, I don't know, this sense of you know, cookie cutterness to what maturity looks like right. or what even health looks like or what healing would look like. Healing will look very different for each of us. And I think that sense of permission to really lean into what makes you whole is, uh, is a real gift from the, from, uh, from the Enneagram. And I'm, I always love to talk about it with people, that's for sure. Well, thanks for talking with us. Mm-hmm.